Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm really delighted today to be joined by Francesca Albanese. Many of you will have seen her on the news discussing the horrific situation now enveloping Gaza. She's the United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Occupied Palestinian Territories, has been for the last uh, 16 months. And it's now a month or so since this current horror show began. Around approaching 10,000 Palestinians have now been killed, vastly more injured. Much of the Gaza Strip devastated by bombs collectively, amounting to the power of one and a half times the Hiroshima bomb in an area the size of East London. Um, Francesca, I really appreciate you joining us. Firstly, can we just start with, you know, you have, as the United Nations, so much information on the ground. Um, can you tell us what is the situation currently in Gaza? Uh, thank you very much, Owen. Um, I, I've said since the very beginning, and it doesn't change in terms of qualification, it changed in terms of gravity and intensity. I've said that what I've seen unfolding in Gaza since the very uh, first week of, uh, I mean, after the 7th of October, it's a catastrophe of epic proportions, and I've qualified it. It's a, it's a humanitarian and political catastrophe, but I also think it's a legal catastrophe because this is where international law is clamorously failing every everyone, both the Palestinians, but also the Israelis, because both people deserve peace. And what's happening right now, what's unfolding in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory, and unfortunately, I'm afraid the region is absolutely not conducive to peace and stability. When you say we're talking about illegal, so let's talk about that, war crimes. Mm. What are the war crimes being committed? So war crimes, we often hear bandied around, but that's actually a legally precise term. So what do we mean by war crimes? Look, war crimes are violations of the laws of war. So any any violation of the Geneva Convention uh, on can constitute a war crime. Now, there are certain war crimes that are more egregious than others and also entail... Um, individual individual liability. Um, and if we if we start from the 7th of October, but there is a there is a context which is also punctuated um, by by profound illegality and we can talk about that. But if we start analyzing the situation as of the 7th of October, there is not the inch of a doubt that what Hamas has done, the way it has carried out the attacks on Israel, um, going beyond military objectives, attacking civilians, killing, um, injuring, maiming, taking hostages, these are all war crimes, no question about that. At the same time, the response that Israel has given also entails profound um, illegality, and for and there are two different two, two different issues that we should consider. On the one hand, has the response that Israel given uh, can the response that Israel has given 
be considered lawful? And, and if so, is the response as it has unfolded uh, been legal? So first, the first question is, did Israel have the right to self-defense? Of course, common sense, who would say no? Israel has the right to protect itself, to defend itself. In colloquial terms, yes, we all agree. But Israel has invoked the right of self-defense under the, under the UN Charter, under Article 51 of the UN Charter, which has a very pre precise and specific meaning. And it's the right to legitimately use force, military force. In other words, it's the right to wage a war. Did Israel have that right? No, for a number of reasons, but particularly because uh, the threat doesn't emanate from a state as such. And by the way, uh, the, 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 doctrine, the doctrine and international law concerning um, uh, the, the law of self-defense is that the threat or the attack should emanate from a state, not an armed group within a state. However, even if even if there was such a such a, a threat emanating from the state, this is an entity that Israel occupies. Israel is the occupying power in the Gaza Strip, in the West Bank, in East Jerusalem. So it cannot act against one part of the territory as if it was a hostile entity, as it does, and then waging war against it. It has happened five times before, and it was all wrong. So... This is the general concept. But even if there was the right of self-defense, it should have been used to repel the attack because this is what protection means. It should have given an answer, into a response in terms of uh, law enforcement. Um, and instead, it has waged a war, which has also violated basic principles of distinction. You know, uh, civilians cannot be targeted, cannot be indiscriminately targeted. The principle of proportionality, each military action must be justified by a specific military necessity. And then we can also analyze what does it mean in practice, uh, Owen, but also the other, the principle of precaution. You take all measures to avoid harm to the civilian population or damage to civilian objects and especially protected objects like hospitals and, and schools. Well, since the 7th of October, we have uh, we have witnessed um, the carpet bombing of a 360 square kilometer um, piece of land, uh, highly crowded because 2.2 million people live there. Half of them are children. Um, and there has been the total confusion. These people had nowhere to go. And there has been heavy bombing from north uh, to south with evacuation order in amidst bombing. Um, and the tightening of the blockade. There was already an unlawful blockade that has been so for 16 years. And during this period, Israel has further tightened the blockade, preventing medicines, food, water, and other essential supplies like fuel from entering. This is so very serious. So yes, these are war crimes. Um, and to an extent, some of these, uh, these crimes might also amount to crimes against humanity. When there is the intention to, 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 to harm. For example, intentional starvation is a, is, a, is a crime against humanity. Or intentional extermination, killing 400, I mean, accepting, risking to kill 400 people in Jabalia camp because there is one military commander. It's pretty serious. It can be extermination. Again, I'm, I'm telling you what are the legal categories. Of course, there should be a proper 
investigation. So we have had heinous crimes on the one hand and heinous crimes of abysmal proportion on the other hand in a context where, frankly, the response should have been another one because the multilateral system has failed. So international law has failed to prevent uh, crimes and, and the multilateral system has failed too because the UN have been completely um, uh, set, I mean, put aside. I mean, if there was, for example, a hypothetical war crimes tribunal, um, in an ideal world, there would be. There, of course, for example, Israel hasn't signed up to the International Criminal Court. But just, for example, imagine there was. What I find striking about this is this is all, there's, there's very, you wouldn't need to go, go through secret documents because of the rhetoric of Israeli leaders is so blatant. So when Benjamin Netanyahu quotes a biblical passage about Amalek, which calls for the murder of all men, women, children, um, and animals, uh, when you get calls to turn Gaza into a city of tents with no buildings remaining, when the defense minister says we will eliminate everything that we're fighting human animals, uh, where multiple leading politicians have spoken in overtly hideous ways. And, you know, I've read about Rwanda and the rhetoric that was deployed, including in media outlets. That I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's all, it's not real. They're not subtle. There's no subtlety here, is there? No, certainly. I mean, I see, I see where you're heading to, and you know, there are, I mean, there have been many uh, experts, including myself, with a number of other special rapporteurs, who have raised um, the alarm on the risk of genocide, because surely the the, the intent is is declared, is explicit, in the sense that there have been statements calling for the full erasure of Gaza, equating the Palestinians to animals, uh, equating all Palestinians with Hamas. And they, they continue. I mean, it's from political leaders, members of governments, parliamentarians in Israel, uh, military commanders. But I wouldn't say, and, and again, I do think very much that there is this, there, there is this risk of genocide in, in Gaza. At the same time, I would say, um, I, I do not think we can really look just at the words because even Hamas puts, I mean, says horrible things and talk about, talks about destruction. Hamas leaders have been on record for days saying that they call for the whole destruction of, of Israel. So what, what are we uh, facing here? two entities calling for the uh, destruction of each other. So there are other two elements that fit into, that come into the text, the, the test. One is reality, the reality on the ground. So there are words and then what's happening on the ground and also the capacity. And this is what worries me, Owen. The fact that the reality, the ongoing reality is that on the 7th of October, Hamas has carried out a heinous attack on Israeli civilians, terrorizing many more of those who have uh, perished or taken hostages. The whole country is, is, is shaken and beyond, because I think this has sent shockwaves across the Jewish community worldwide. I understand the trauma, really. I do, because I keep on saying these people, we need to understand these people have been persecuted for centuries. And the reason uh, we need to recognize the pain of the other right now. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. The Jewish people. no question about that. At the same time, as of the 7th of October, 
the losses have been suffered by the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. So the, the reality has been that as of the 7th of October, over 9,000 Palestinians have been killed. 70% are reportedly women and children. 3,500 children have been killed. Hospitals, houses, entire residential buildings, uh, markets, bakeries. You know, it's, it's, it's very critical. And again, you look at the, if you have the power to turn off uh, electricity, water, uh, access to food and medicines, fuel, you create a reality that can lead to death. If children yes. in incubators, women who, I mean, and the wounded, there are over 20,000 wounded and there are people under the rubble. And also the third element, Owen, is the capacity. Does Israel have the capacity to, I mean, even escalate this horrific acts militarily, it does. And the critical thing is that international community, instead of calming down, acting to de-escalate, no, it's fostering. It's fostering the spirits. It's even it's giving even more weapons to, to Israel, which is shocking. Because again, as I said, the situation was already horrific enough before the 7th of October. And there were already responsibilities of what my predecessor has called the enablers, meaning yeah. Western states in particular, who have uh, let Israel's impunity and lack of compliance with international law festering. So instead of calling again for a multilateral response, you know, we ensure a protective presence. We de, we have we ensure that the UN um, monitoring the Gaza Strip helps demilitarize um, the uh, Hamas. This could have been a legitimate military target, but not eradicating Hamas as if it was. Oh, Hamas is a political reality. How do you eradicate a political reality that has been supported by Israel until a few months ago? I mean, it's, it's just interesting that, that that point about capacity, because we often see those who oppose the ceasefire, you know, they'll find quite gleefully some blood curdling statement by a Hamas official to justify in terms of what they would do to Israel. And we, as we you know, would both say, what happened on the 7th of October were atrocities, war crimes committed by Hamas against Israeli civilians. The point is, is Israel is a military superpower um, with a massive, huge capacity to destroy the other. Hamas doesn't have the capacity to destroy Israel. That is a fictional, that's an abstraction, um, notwithstanding the atrocity that was committed. And yeah. the destruction of Gaza is a reality. So what we're talking about there is an actual reality ongoing. And I just think, you know, I grew up yeah. um, with Bosnia, often cited as a particular horror. Um, and the Bosnian Serbs suffered atrocities committed against them. One of the first big massacres in the Bosnian war was of Bosnian Serb civilians who often suffered horrendous women and children being tortured before they were killed. That didn't justify what the Bosnian Serb leaders did, and no one would ever claim it did. But the Bosnian war, 40,000 civilians died in three years. There were many other soldiers who died. But Bosnia had a population, a pre-war population, twice that of Gaza. It just seems underlying this is the idea that Palestinian life, there's just a general, almost, it's, it's all, it should just be stated, it's not considered to have any real worth compared to as it sh as Israeli life rightly is considered to, to have a worth. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I mean, I would add to this uh, the fact that in three weeks, as many people as have died in Gaza, I mean, I mean sorry, the number of people who have died, who have been killed in Gaza uh, are equal to the number of people who have died, who have been killed in uh, the Ukraine-Russia war in 19 months. And if I recall correctly, this is also the same number of people uh, which has been uh, killed in uh, in two years in Myanmar. So, and more than the people who were killed in Srebrenica, the numbers are, I mean, and again, yeah, I agree with you. The numbers don't register in certain audiences. I mean, I find myself talking to uh, to Western media and they, they just blink. When you say 3,500 children, I have a punch in my stomach. But even to 25 children, frankly, when I... When I was quoting how many uh, Israeli children had been killed, one dead child is one too many. Three thousand five hundred, and you see no empathy whatsoever. No, the, the stories of these people do not come across. And again, it's not about the Palestinians. This is the Palestinian situation epitomizes the indifference that the West cultivates toward the rest. Toward the, the global south. I mean, it's not different from other from other wars, and I find it tragic because in this case we have the let's say the 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 main actor, uh, the main power which who subjugates the Palestinians consider itself a Western country and is strongly protected by Western countries. Before I finally ask you about that, I just wanted to ask about the West Bank, because obviously our attention has been so much focused on Gaza, given the scale of the humanitarian calamity, of, of increasingly of a biblical proportions. But the, the West Bank, which has a, a bigger population than Gaza, it's not ruled by Hamas. Um, what's going on in the West Bank at the moment? Yeah, there are there are a few interesting things. And then I would like to um, to talk about what has been my assessment from the very beginning beyond war crimes genocides uh, the, the risk of genocides etc i do think we should understand the design the plan behind what is happening because there is a continuity open between the, what's going on in the in the gaza strip and in the west bank in the west bank as of the 7th of october violence it was a, the, the situation was already very violent because 460 palestinians had been killed and 60 Israelis had been killed in the entire occupied Palestinian territory since I became a mandate holder. So in 16 months, 
460 is a huge number. Many of them had been killed uh, at the end of soldiers and by in violent armed settlers. So it's very bad already. But what has happened as of the 7th of October is that settler escalation has, um, has gone up. Uh, various Israeli ministers have armed the settlers and individuals calling for, I mean, deal with the Arabs. Basically, this is the message, as you deem necessary. Uh, and there have been 120 people killed. 30 of them are uh, children. And the scenes of violence, I mean, entire communities, uh, herder communities and Bedouin communities, have been forced to flee so that they have they have moved they have been forcibly displaced by the highly coercive environment in the west bank but also there have been very disturbing images that have come out from the west bank scenes of soldiers amassing men and um, yeah i i don't know the the age group but some seem to be younger stripping them naked uh, subjecting them to very distressing, humiliating um, practices. Uh, really, when I saw these scenes that have been confirmed by Israeli organizations, um, and I've not shared because they're, they are two graphics, it's not up to me, but it, it, it's really serious. It warrants an investigation because I, these have reminded me scenes of Abu Ghraib, that kind of cruelty, that kind of sadism. And there are many. Cases of soldiers humiliating, beating, and subjugating the Palestinians. They are defenseless. And this is the second element. In some Western countries, including myself, I mean, now there is the this rhetoric that the Israelis are fighting Hamas. But there is no Hamas military presence in... Uh, in I mean, there, are, there has been a, a revival of armed resistance, because this is what an oppression generates. And have, frankly, resistance under international law is not the resistance to an oppressive regime, to apartheid, is not illegal. Of course, it needs to follow, to be legal, it needs to also follow certain rules of international law, not targeting civilians. But frankly, a, an armed group fighting fighting the army is not per se illegal. So the, the, the rhetoric right now is that there is Hamas, there are Hamas fighters and Israelis in illegal colonies have to be given weapons to defend themselves, which is false. The colonies have always been there illegally and the only way to protect them should be removing them. So this is the reality. And yeah, as you say, I agree with you. There is no much attention to this. Certainly nowhere near enough attention as there should be. Um, just finally then, I mean, you, you've touched upon this a lot throughout, um, but we often hear from Western leaders things, I guess, often apparently platitudinous references to things like a rules-based world order, uh, international law. We heard that a lot after Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, which was correctly widely condemned, including the atrocities associated with it. What does this tell us about the approach of Western governments, which call themselves the democratic world, the free world, and so on, in terms of their attitude towards human rights, the rules of law, the rule of law, rules-based order, and, 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 and international law in general? Mm. I have 
Uh, I have a criticism on how international law has been used vis-a-vis -vis Palestine in general, because in my first report, I criticized the sectorial approach, meaning many uh, diplomats and even international organizations until the discourse on apartheid started to gain traction have, have, have focused on specific aspects of illegality or violation of women rights or violation of children rights by missing the overall picture, which is the legality of the occupation, which has served as a vehicle to colonize the land. And of course, it has translated into apartheid by default. The design of like the animus, the soul of Israel's occupation is settler colonial. Take the land and displace the people. So there is an element of, of ethnic cleansing that is there. It's always been there. It's part of the history of, of the Palestinian people as of the 19, 1947 in, in critical terms. But the roots, of course, are, are uh, um, even more profound. So there has been an ambiguity and there have been double standards vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians for a long time. But of course, when the when the Russia-Ukraine war started, that became really in full display. And to the point that even now, there are certain, certain milieu where you find Hamas equated to Putin and Ukraine uh, to, to Israel. So even Zelensky came out saying, oh yeah, Israel has the, the right to defend itself from the terrorists as we defend ourselves from the, the Russian terrorists. Excuse me, no, it's the other way around in the sense that Palestine, the Palestinian people are occupied, have been occupied for 56 years, but I mean, even in the small portion of land that remains, and where international consensus is that there should be their enjoyment of the right of self-determination in the form of an independent statehood. This has gone completely lost. Now, there are two interesting things that, from, that I would like to point out from what you said. Rule-based order. This is the mantra of the U.S. administration, which means nothing because the order is international law or rule of law based order. Because rules without any qualification might mean everything and the rules of engagement have departed from the principles of legality that are enshrined in the, in the international, uh, in international system that has, uh, uh, let's say, developed as of the Second World War. So yes, those those rules, international law-based rules exist. They are violated on a number of occasions, but particularly in the case of Israel-Palestine. And, um, and double standards only tarnish the, the strength the strength of this um, of this body of law, uh, making it less uh, effective in preventing and in remedies. Um, crimes. Francesca, I really appreciate you joining us and talking about actually quite complicated issues in, in ways that's very accessible. Sorry, for those who don't know, of course, Francesca is an international um, lawyer. So all of this is very much grounded in, in legal expertise, uh, which is very helpful because to be honest, yeah, let alone forget morality, just basic legal concepts have been shunned by Western governments, but also much of the British media when discussing what's actually yes. taking place in Gaza and the West Bank. So it is important to talk about morality, but it is also we need to 
you know, give the, the legal footing as well. Uh, your work is invaluable. I can't imagine how difficult and pressured it must be, but it's so important we have your voice. And I think history will be damning for some, to say the least. But I think the voices such as yourself, as we see this atrocity unfold, I think um, the vindication will not, unfortunately, be a pleasant one. But but it's so important we have your voice. But thank you, Francesca, so much. If you're watching, obviously, uh, live, uh, if you're watching the video or listening, press like and subscribe. And thanks to Francesca. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.